Hey, you may take your seats for a moment. I'll have you stand back up again in a minute when we, um, when we um, what's the word, when we uh, read the scriptures. Um, but if you're new here, if you've been new in the last four or five weeks, you've never met me. Um, I actually have been on vacation for four weeks. Um, our family, Lauren, myself, five kids, our nanny, Orna, absolute bloody legend. Uh, we've all been on vacation for four weeks and got to uh, hang out in Arizona. Uh, and so that was good. It's good to be back. I love this church. There is no place like this. In fact, all of the guest speakers that we had over the last um, uh, four weeks, all of them told me how much they loved this church. And um, they all talked about how there's not many churches that are alive and well and strong and passionate and loud left in the United States. That, that some churches are open, but they're a fraction, maybe 20, 30% of what they were uh, even 18 months ago. And they said it's so refreshing to come to a house that is full of passion. This was a constant theme with all guest speakers, that, there was, that it was refreshing to come to a house of passion, a house of love, right? That loves God and loves each other. You know, Scripture says that this is how they will know that you are my disciples, by your love for one another. Not just your love for the community. That's not what it says, though we love our community, but it is our love for one another that shows people that we are His disciples. Amen. And they talked about that, your love for God, the unity in the room, the purpose, the real sense of a church on a mission. Amen. And, uh, And the love for the presence of God. Don't you just love that we have a church and a team that can function and excel and serve while the lead pastor is away, right? Like you don't need me every week. Now, don't get me wrong. You need me. I need you. We need each other to, to, we need to all live in the callings of God in our lives that our church could do all that we're called to do, right? But that I can go away for a, for a vacation and, uh, and the church will continue to go well. New people will continue to come. Souls will continue to be saved. Lives will continue to be changed. Disciples will still be made. Amen. And, uh, and on and on it goes. And so we're just grateful to be in such a great church. I love being back. Uh, while the team was working hard, I was uh, not working hard. I'll show you some, you want to see some pictures of our vacation? Let's roll. So up here, um, we've, this is my favorite thing that happened on vacation. Henry, Henry's our most stubborn child so far. We thought that was Charlie. Evidently, it's Henry. And um, he's like, I will not use the potty. He refused to be potty trained his entire life. He's 14 and uh, <clears throat> not really. <laughs> he's three. And uh, we just could not get him to do it. And, uh, and then on vacation, he finally did it. Uh, and then the boys, his older brothers, told him that it's better to pee outside than inside. And so now he went from, I'm not going to pee my pants, to immediately, uh, I pee outside standing up now like a man. And, um, and so now, now that's a blessing and a curse because now he just won't pee anywhere but outside. And we're like, we would love it if you would just like pee in the toilet. He's like, rocks, pee on the rocks. Pee on the rocks. And like 2 a.m., just go to the toilet. Pee on the rocks. Okay, let's go outside. This is going to suck in winter, but whatever, you know. And so anyway, so that's a real good win. Uh, And then next picture, this is also Henry. Uh, He finally learned to go underwater while we were swimming. Uh, We swam for 28 days straight. Come on, right? Like we're Australian and we love water because we never know if we'll ever see it again. And so while we see it, we make use of it, right? And so, but Henry's like, he would, he, he's like, he'd come out of the water and every time he wants, again, 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 but he's, st- even though he chokes every single time, he like, he doesn't even know, don't breathe, it'll be much better. But he, again, 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 there's, 
next one. These are the Newman kids. And uh, we, like I said, we remembered it. Eli just refuses to smile in photos. He thinks it's stupid and he wants to be a European. And, um, <clears throat> and just, y'all seen those pictures on the walls, right? That's just what they think is cool, but they're wrong. And um, so anyway, so they're, they're all in. Look how much browner our kids got. You know, we're a white family from Iowa. And, um, and you know, so when you're a white family from Iowa and you go to Arizona, you glow in the dark, right? And so... But thank the Lord, we got like five shades darker while we were there. Come on. And um, I've, this is probably why I've never really understood uh, racism against black people. Because um, aren't we all just working real hard to just get darker? Like, y'all know, all right, that, that's been my goal every summer. If I could just get a little darker, that'd be great, right? Like, I don't know, but that's what I think it is. I think maybe it's really jealousy, and we're like, what, you were born that way? It took me all summer just to get this much, you know? And so, you know, so I think it's jealousy is where it comes from. But anyway, next slide. Or are we done? Oh, yeah, this, uh, that's Orna, if you don't know her, incredible worship leader and uh, nanny of the Newman kids. Uh, And this was Lauren's face for the whole vacation. (laughs) See, we were on vacation but the kids were with us. And so who thinks that there should be like vacation school for kids? You know, every city, everywhere you go, like, where are you going for vacation? Phoenix. All right, kids go to school there. Wouldn't that be awesome? You know? And so, yeah. So anyway, that's, uh, oh, and Zoe had her sixth birthday while we were away. So if you're new, you probably don't know that. We have five kids and only one little girl. So anyway, hey, would y'all stand back up? I'm going to preach a word. Wait, what happened there? Oh yeah, go back to that. That was us trying to be Europeans. So our good friends, the Hembrys, he's actually, he was our doctor and then come to the church. And, um, and uh, anyway, they, they um, go to church down there now because they moved there. So we got to go to their church and we thought we'd try and pose like uh, European rock stars. Do you think we pulled it off? Yeah, that mustache was awesome, right? I shaved it off for my wife, even though in 1 Samuel 20, the Bible clearly says that a man who shaves his mustache for a woman doesn't deserve the mustache or the woman. Um, But I did it anyway. So anyway, get rid of that trash. All right. So can you all stand up with me? Psalm 119, verse 105 to 112. Again, I just wanted to introduce ourselves for the new people who came while we were away. And I know some of the new people are like, man, this church is awesome. I hope this guy doesn't suck. And um, me too, me too. So Psalm 119, 105, you ready? Don't forget to yell at me when I read the word and when I preach the word, amen? I'm not here, you're not here to be entertained. We're gonna preach this together, amen? Awesome, I hope you can do a better job than the 9 a.m. They're about 10% less loud than normal. So, you know, so y'all need to make up for them, all right? So, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. Church, I still believe that about the word of God. Amen. I have taken an oath and confirmed it that I will follow your righteous laws. I have suffered much. Preserve my life, Lord, according to your word. Like you say, you will, right? Accept, Lord, the willing praise of my mouth. Teach me your laws. Though I constantly take my life in my hands, I will not forget your laws. 
The wicked have set a snare for me, but I have not strayed from your precepts. I feel like that's a bit of my life in 2021. Y'all feel like that's a bit of your life in this modern world that we live in? The wicked have set snares for us, but we will not stray from God's precepts. Amen. I love this. Your statutes, your ways, your precepts, your laws, the, the ways of God are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. The ways of God, the precepts of God, the laws of the Lord, they don't have to be rebuked. They don't have to be pain. They don't have to be frustration, but they can be a joy in your heart. Amen. My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. If you want to receive from the Lord, reach out your hands today. I'm going to pray for you. Heavenly Father, we all come here today not to be entertained by some Australian. Uh, Lord God, we all come here today not just to have a good time, though we will have a good time, though we will be entertained, though we will laugh, though we will have fun. Lord God, all of that is to the side. What we want, Lord God, is a message from you straight to our hearts. So God, I ask that you would use me and use this word to inspire your people to stand firm and live the life that you called them to live in the name of Jesus Christ. Somebody who receives it say amen. amen. High five five of your friends around you before you take your seats. <clears throat> Turn to somebody and say, all righty then. All righty then. Who knows what that's from? Give me a wave. All right, come on. Ace Ventura fans in the house. Don't watch it with your kids. Y'all watch things growing up and then watch it with your kids and you're like, my parents were evil. I can't believe they let me watch that, right? That's almost every movie. You know, there were no rules growing up, you know? Like ride home at midnight through the city. You won't get kidnapped. It's all good, you know? Our parents were crazy. Anyone like, anyone like me turn on the news, listen to a podcast, get on social media lately and feel like it seems to be all about social distancing again, mandating masks again? shutting down certain aspects of society again. Y'all feel that? And, um, you know, um, this is not going to be a sermon about that, though I will talk about it a lot for reference for what I am talking about. Um, I'm even hearing a lot of talk about shutting down churches again. I know of a lot of pastors that plan to shut down their churches again, shut down large gatherings. And um, I want you to know uh, from the stage, from my mouth, uh, you know, representing the team, uh, our leadership, our board and our elders, that we just are not going to shut down at all. It's not going to happen. Okay? And even if, even if only 10 people turn up on Saturday night, we will run our three services every weekend. Uh, we're not going to force anyone to wear a mask. Um, and we're not going uh, to shame anyone who doesn't wear a mask. Okay? Um, we just believe that you're an adult. And you can decide if you want to get vaccinated or not get vaccinated. And you can decide if you want to wear a mask or not wear a mask. And you can decide if you want to socially distance or not socially distance. Uh, you're an adult and you can do that, right? You do you, boo-boo, yeah? Everybody's like, Pastor, what's your opinion on vaccinations? I'm like, my opinion is you're an adult. Figure it out. It's not in the Bible. Oh, good? Right? Everyone wants to know. Like, people are so confused. Like, so many people are like, you've been vaccinated, haven't you? And other people are like, you haven't been vaccinated, have you? And I'm like, be all things to all people. I'll be what you want me to be, you know? I don't care. So, <laughs> but you do you, boo-boo, right? <clears throat> 
some things just aren't in the Bible. Like, I don't care what color shoes you wear, and I don't care if you wear a mask or not, all right? Like, these things aren't there, yeah? Uh, every volunteer and every person, you do what you want, all right? But we're staying open, and we will not turn anyone away, all right? Unvaccinated, you're welcome. Vaccinated, you're welcome. Unmasked, you're welcome. Masked, you're welcome. Y'all are welcome at church, all right? Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, y'all are welcome. We're running church. We're not going to force you to come. I think you need to come. I think you should come. I think if you're obedient to the word of God, you will come, but I can't make you come. You got the freedom to choose. Amen? Awesome. But you know what else I'm hearing on the news? I'm hearing a lot about this whole everything's changed. Y'all hearing that a lot? Everything's changed, right? And then you've got people on the news and they're saying to the news reporter, when do you think things will come back? And I'm like, what you asking them for? They got a degree in journalism, right? Like they're not an expert on this, you know? Like I'm not either. I'm just going to do me anyway though, you know? But like, like there's all this talk, when will it go back? Is it going to go back to normal? Will we ever go back to a pre-pandemic life? We may go back to a pre-pandemic life. It'll never go back to how it was. And I'm just like, what? What, what is all this? Why is this coming back? Well, why all of a sudden do people need to do, why is there another and then a plus? And then, what is all this? I even read a story about a young pastor who said that their experience of the last couple of years has changed what they believe about God, has changed their theology. Can I tell you the last couple of years has not changed what I believe at all, at all. Nothing in the last 18 months has changed what I believe about God. Yeah, a lot of things around me have changed. And maybe, I hope not, but maybe nothing around me will ever go back to how it was. But I still believe what I believed yesterday. And I still believe what I believed in 2018. And I still believe what I believed in 2014. I still believe. Why? Because my theology is not built on my experiences. It's built on the Word of God. That's it. My experience don't build my theology. Because my faith is in the Word of God rather than my experiences, my faith is actually able to move my experiences in line with the Word of God. See, the Word of God is a strong tower. It's a rock. It is solid. It is a firm foundation. And if I stand on that, my situations can move in line with it. Amen? What am I saying? Theology that is built on your experiences will let you down every time. A theology that's built on compassion will even let you down. A compassion that's built on solid theology will be powerful, but a theology built on compassion will be terrible. You don't want to build your theology, your belief system on your experiences or your feelings. Because when your situation gets hard, you abandon what you believe and you begin to rewrite your theology based on this new experience. And because of that, your experience will never change. It will never get better. It won't improve because you don't have faith. You don't have an anchor. You don't have conviction in your life. 
But if you have conviction, but if you have the Word of God as your anchor, if the Word of God is where you derive your theology and your belief systems and it's your foundation, well, you've got faith in God. You're immovable. You're unshakable. And the faith that you have in God and the faith that you have in His Word and the faith that you pray and the willingness you have to ask God to move, that will cause your situation to change and line up with the Word of God. Can someone say amen? If you have a conviction and a theology that's built upon God, then when you find yourself in jail like, like Paul and Silas, if you find yourself in jail like in the Scriptures, you know, uh, locked up, well, that conviction and that faith will move the hand of God to shake the situation around you and bring freedom into your life. You get set free when you stand firm. You don't get set free when you blow with the wind, amen? <clears throat> you get out of trouble so that you can continue to live the life that God called you to live. But a situational belief system just says, well, I guess jail's my lot in life. I guess freedom isn't really what God has planned for me. So I know the word says it, but I guess that was for them. So I'll just stay here. I'll just sit here. I'll write a blog. I'll be a keyboard warrior. <laughs> keyboard warriors. Can I tell you, don't insult anyone online unless you're willing to punch them in the face in person. <laughs> right? That's, some, that's actually the best advice I can give young people on social media. You're only allowed to insult someone online if you are brave enough to punch them in the face in person. And they might beat the snot out of you, and that'd probably be good for you. <laughs> well, that's not even anything to do with my sermon. It just, it just popped in there. Must have been an inspired word from the Holy Spirit or something. I don't know. <laughs> Listen to me. A situational belief system crumbles because they believe God's a healer when they're healthy. But when they get diagnosed with a sickness, they change their belief system. They stop praying for healing and then maybe die from the sickness or live with it forever. Now, now I know some people don't get healed. And we're going to pray about I'm sorry, I'm, I've got a sermon on that, right? But here's the thing. Jehovah Rapha. Yeah. Scripture says that he's my healer. So I'm going to keep praying for that until I'm set free in heaven or on earth. But I ain't stopping until it's over. I'm not going to stop believing it just because I haven't experienced it yet. I'm going to keep believing it until I, until I see it. Amen. I'll see it up there or I'll see it down here. <clears throat> you, know, you know, there's a couple in our church that would be dead if, if, they, if they had a situational faith, I believe. My friends, the Wagners. Great people, great people, faithful people. Have you ever heard of the widow maker heart attack? It's a particular type of heart attack that is just going to make your wife a widow. It's mainly in men. Almost no one survives them. And um, my friend Val, not too long before COVID, he had not one but two widow maker heart attacks in the same day. It was a miracle he survived the first time. It was just ridiculous that he survived the second time. <laughs> Not too long before COVID, he had those. And I remember going to the hospital to pray with my friends. And um, as I was arriving, he was having his second Widowmaker heart attack. It was scary. While we were in the lobby praying, believing, letting our faith rise, Bambi Wagner, woman of faith. Dude, you need to be married to a woman of faith. Oh, man, a woman of faith. You know, a woman of faith. That's what you want in your life, amen. 
And, uh, you know, she's just praying and she's believing. And, you know, a situational faith would have just stopped believing for a miracle. It might have been cool with the first one, but not the second one. You know what I'm saying? A situational faith would have just accepted that our time with Val is over. He kept having all these tests and it said, you know, and because <clears throat> two, two, two widowmakers, your heart's kind of ruined, you know. And, uh, and so he kept having these tests and like, it's just the numbers aren't there. It's just not getting better. Your heart's just, it's failed. You're going into heart failure. And he just kept believing and he just kept praying and he just kept believing and he just kept praying and he just kept, he was kind of, he was exactly like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Actually, he was like this. He was like, God is going to heal this. And if not, I'm going to heaven to be with him and I'm healed anyway. That, that was his faith. He's like, I'm getting healed, you know, but, but, but I'm going to keep praying for a miracle on earth until I see Jesus. Come on. My God's a healer. And he kept praying and Bambi kept praying and we kept praying. And guess what? One day, not the numbers. He's got a test in two weeks. The numbers aren't there. 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 Day before, the numbers aren't there. Go to the test. Boom, the numbers are there. His heart's back. Like, what? Just keep believing. Amen. Then they both got COVID. Can I be selfish for a minute and make his, their drama, my drama for a second? You hate that, you know? I've got cancer. Oh, my mom died of cancer. It's so sad. And It's like, wow, cool. Not the story I needed to hear right now, you know? Like, like I was looking for that. Yeah, but she survived, you know. Um, tell me that story when I give you bad news. Y'all know what I'm saying, you know. But I'm going to make it about me for just one little second here. Um, my heart sank. Because I'm like, man, I knew about the heart attacks. I knew about their ages, you know. And, and you, know, uh, you know, we all know, right, that, that I'm aware that people of a certain age, are, uh, you know, just like other diseases too, people of a particular age or certain pre-existing conditions struggle more with COVID and can possibly die. And I'm like, I don't want to lose my friend. Val's one of the most encouraging people I've ever met. He messages me and, and prays for me all the time. So encouraging. Bambi, one of the most faithful people I've ever met. She's always praying for the staff, praying with the staff, praying for the church mission. I got a little scared, you know. And you know the moment where your theology and your situation are going to fight each other? You ever been there? You know that moment, right, where what you believe about God, but what's happening in your world, they're, they're having a fight, you know. And so I, I got a little bit scared for a second, you know. What are you going to do at that moment? You're going to rewrite your theology or are you going to stand on the truth of the Word of God? So you can rewrite your theology to match your bad situation or you can stand on good theology and ask God to rewrite your bad situation. Amen? Come on, we need to put that on the screen up there. I want everybody to, you need to remember this. When a bad situation comes, you can rewrite your theology to match it or you can stand firm. And watch God rewrite that bad situation. Amen. Myself, the staff, the Wagners, many of their friends, pastors and people from other churches as well. But most importantly, the Wagners themselves did not change their belief system. They, 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 they didn't just say, well, God doesn't care about me. No, they stood firm in their faith that God is a healer and God healed them and they're alive because they believed and everybody believed and they prayed and everybody prayed and we all believed and we all prayed. They stand firm and God rewrote their stories, amen. They shouldn't be here, but they are here now. She was in, he was fine. That was amazing. <clears throat> she was in hospital in and out, but they're good and they're alive. And now God's a healer, right? They're one of the few people I saw have a rough shot of it, but they're alive. Because we don't change what we believe. Can someone say amen? God is good. Do you believe it? When I was reading about this young pastor's theology change, it just bothered me. Just, just bothered me, you know? 
I wasn't like anxious. I wasn't like angry. I wasn't, no, I was just bothered, you know. I'm like, <clears throat> stupid. I'm like, this, this is dumb. And, and why, why are we giving that kind of garbage a platform in America, you know? Like, like, well, like why has that guy got a platform, but not the thousands of faithful pastors that stood firm, right? Like, and I was just annoyed. And I went out and I sat by the pool and, and I whipped out my phone and I started reading my Bible. And, and y'all, by the way, God speaks clearer by a swimming pool, you know? Just so you know. And so, now, I don't know how we're going to roll. Maybe during the winter, my sermons will probably not be anointed. But in springtime, when the water unfreezes, you watch the anointing come back. Come on, right? Like, and I, I was reading my Bible, sitting by that pool, and I was thinking about, as I'm reading it, how I still believe what I'm reading. Like, and I'm not just talking about because COVID, right? I mean, like, just because 2021, you know what I mean? Like, and I'm, I'm like, I still believe that. I still believe what I'm reading. And as I was thinking about that, I started thinking about all the sermons that I preached over the last seven or so years. And, and, and I looked at, I started looking them up. I went online, myeternity.com forward slash sermons. I scrolled down and I could get through to like 2019. And I'm like, uh, I, each one of them, I'm like, I still believe that. <clears throat> and I still believe that. And, and I still believe that one. And I, and I still believe that one. And, and then I'm like, well, that's 2019. I guess my sermons before that weren't as good. And so the team haven't got them on the website. So I went and I, I looked at my Dropbox file. And I'm like, and I went through. And I've got a Dropbox file of every sermon I've ever preached, right? I've been offered millions of dollars for that file. I'll give it to you for 500,000 peso. And so, and so I'm, I'm, like, I'm looking through it and I'm like, I still believe that one. And I, and I still believe that one. And I'm looking at 2016, and I still believe that. And then I'm looking at 2010 when I'm a youth pastor, and I'm like, I still believe that, right? I still believe them. I preached a sermon series in 2018 that was called Risk. And in that sermon, we preached about how favor and blessing is on the other side of risk. Not this side, it's on that side of risk. And how I want to live a life of faith. I want to live a risky life. I, and I even said, I don't want to live my life wearing a helmet. I, I, I want to get the reward that's on the other side of risk. Amen. Y'all, who was here for that sermon? Give me a wave, <clears throat> right? Awesome. You know, we're a bit smaller back then, but some of you were here. And uh, in that sermon, we gave everybody uh, an, an egg. It was a wooden egg with the word risk written on it. Who's still got their risk egg? Look, look at that. People have still got their risk egg. If you weren't here, this is what it was about. See, the egg is a wonderful thing. But one day, there was one guy who was the first guy. To, it wasn't a woman. There's no way it was a woman. It was for sure a dude. There was a dude. There was a man. And he was watching a chicken wobble around. And he saw something fall out of its bum and thought, I wonder what it tastes like. <laughs> it happened. Somebody saw it and thought, that looks good. And he ate it, and because he took that risk and he ate that egg that fell out of that bum, you got scrambled eggs, you got omelets, you got cake, you got cookies. Come on, you, 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 got, you, got, uh, you got fried eggs, you got a hamburger with an egg, you got it over easy, you got it over hot, because one guy saw an egg fall out of a chicken's bum and thought, mm, let's go. 
There is so much favor on the other side of risk. Amen. There is so much blessing on the other side of risk. Next time you see you're in a situation that's a little bit risky, you look at an egg and be like, oh, I got this. Oh, I'm going to be blessed on the other side of that, right? And here's the thing. I preached a sermon like that and people are surprised that I'm like, oh, I'm going to keep living during COVID. I just still believe in 2020 and 2021 what I preached in 2018. That's all it is. Come on. That's it. Last year, I preached a sermon called, a series called Battle, Picking the Right Battles. You know how easy this sermon series, this sermon was to write today? I just like cut and paste from like 10 different, I'm just kidding. Last year, I, I preached a sermon on battle. Hey, you got to pick your battles. You don't have to fight every battle, by the way. Right? We're not designed to live in battle mode, always fighting, never healing. We've we got to have some fights and then we need to heal. It's just like working out. You've got to work out and you need some day where your body just heals. Right? So God doesn't want you to fight, 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 fight. He wants you to fight, fight, heal. Fight, fight, heal. Fight, fight, heal, right? Like you need some time to heal, right? You don't want to fight all day living in battle mode. We weren't designed to live in battle mode. We're designed to experience some rest, to be inspired, to be rejuvenated, to be healed and set up and set free and ready for the next battle, amen? But there are some battles that come to you. That was the sermon when the battle picks you, right? Who knows, sometimes battles just come and get you. Right? You didn't choose it. You didn't ask for it. It just came to you. You were just standing there eating your ice cream, and it walked up to you, smacked it out of your hand, and said, let's fight. Right? Like, like a stupid little moron in a schoolyard, right? Like, and, and that happens all the time. You, you know what I'm saying? Right? You, you, you're just minding your own business, and a battle comes and says, let's fight. And those are the times where we got to choose what we believe. When it picks you. A perfect example of this would be for longer than 200 years in the United States, it's been super normal to go to church. That's just what we do, you know. And I don't mean that's just what unbelievers do, but that's just what believers do, you know. We, we go to church. It, and it was super normal to hear a pastor say, get yourself to church. You, every pastor, you need to be in church. You need to be in church. You need to be, like, like every pastor said that all the time. Pastors be like, two out of four, that ain't a regular attender. Four out of four, that's a regular attender. Get yourself to church. Come on, right? That's, that's normal. In fact, if a pastor didn't say that, you're like, who is this guy? You know, like that's what pastors do. You need to be in church. You need to be the church. We got to gather. The word says to gather. Totally normal, non-issue. It's fine, right? But that very standard belief was challenged last year. Very standard belief, and it was challenged last year. And those of us who believed that simply, that, 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 you know, those of us who believed that we go to church simply because we like being together or it's fun to get, to get together or, or because we like the flashing lights or we like the LED screens or the pastor has tattoos, those people, they were probably fine with, with the church being closed. And if that was you, it's all good. What are we going to do now? Like, I'm not judging you. I'm not shaming you. But what are we going to do now? Because now we're going to not a shot at it. Amen. But those of us who valued the gathering of believers because the word of God speaks to it, chose to stand firm, to promote it. Because, sorry, because the word of God speaks to it. The word of God promotes it. The word of God commands it. So those of us who believed it because it was rooted in the word of God, we didn't say, 
fight somewhere. I, I want to have a fight. What can I fight? No, we were standing there eating ice cream and some dude came up, smacked it out of our hands and said, let's fight. And we said, let's go. Amen. Actually, for about five weeks, we said, okay. And then we were like, no, let's go. Amen. That's Eternity Church's story if you're new. We shut down for five weeks and we were like, this is dumb and wrong and sin. Let's go. Amen. But that's, we didn't choose to, we didn't go looking for a fight. That battle picked us. And when the battle comes and picks you, you got to believe, what do I believe? Do I believe, do I just like this or do I believe it from the Word of God? If what you believe is established in the Word of God, it is powerful. Amen. See, not only did COVID want to rewrite our theology, but not just last year, but for the last 10 years and onwards, the world is trying to rewrite our theology. They're pulling a devil. You know what the devil did in the first time? He said, did God really say? Did God really say that you need to go to church? Did God really say the gathering's important? Did God really say that marriage is between them? Did God really say that, that, that male and female? Did God really say? Did, did God, and on and on and on, right? The devil's, and he's doing that again, trying to get us to rewrite our theology. But I've always believed what I believe because it's in the Word of God. I didn't just start believing God's a healer last year. I always believed God's a healer. I always believed that anyone, and I mean everyone, come on, I mean everybody is welcome in the house of God. Everybody is welcome in the house of God. I've always said it, that that hookers are welcome in our church, that strippers are welcome in our church, that liars are welcome in our church. Come on, that gossipers are welcome in our church, that adulterers are welcome in our church, that people who lust are welcome in our church. We've always said it and we still believe it. Amen everybody's welcome. We're not putting walls up. You're welcome. We may not affirm everything you do in your life. The Word of God certainly doesn't affirm everything you do in your life. It certainly doesn't affirm everything I do in my life, but I'm striving to get there. Can someone say amen? I still believe it. That's why That's why I don't care if you wear a mask or not. I'm not going to kick someone out for not wearing a mask. I'm not going to kick someone out for wearing a mask. Everybody's welcome in the house of God. We've always believed that grace upon 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 grace creates a space where people can hear from God and see their lives transformed by the power of God. You're welcome in the house of God and the grace of God gives you space to hear from God so that he can transform your life. He will not affirm everything in your life, but come on, listen to me. He will transform your life to line up with his word, amen. I still believe that. I still believe that. I've always believed that if you give, it will give back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over and pouring into your lap. I believe you need a tithe. Why? Well, the Old Testament and the New Testament both say it. Did Jesus really say it? Yeah, he said you need a tithe and do other things as well. Come on. What did God say in the Old Testament? He said, I don't change. You're robbing me. Yeah, but he changed. Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure he said before that, I don't change. You're robbing me, right? Like I still believe that. I still believe what I believed. I've always believed that that we need to lay hands on the sick and pray prayers of faith, believing for their healing. And guess what? I'm still that guy. I believe it because I read it in the word of God. I still believe it because I'm still reading the Word of God. Can I tell you, if your theology has been shaken, you've stopped reading your Bible. If, if the devil said, did God really say? And you were like, oh, good point. You didn't read your Bible where he did say. 
Come on. If you're reading your Bible, you know what he said. Amen. I still believe that my identity is found in the word of God. I still believe that God's word has his best instruction for gender. I still believe that God's word has his best instruction for your family. Oh, but I'm a stepdad. Oh, but I'm a stepmom. Jesus had a stepdad. You can find good instruction in the word of God, how to be the man or the woman that God designed you to be. Can someone say amen? It's in there. It's in there. Hey, hey, I still believe that, 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 that God's best instruction for our finances is in the word of God. I still believe that God's best instruction for your wealth is in the word of God. I still believe that God's best instruction for how to be a good parent or a good son or a good daughter is in the word of God. I still believe that, God, that God's word has the best plan for sex. It is. God's word says that sex is between a man and a woman in a marriage. That's it. You know, that there's no other form of sex that God will bless other than man, woman in a marriage. There's just no other form of, there's no other form of sex that God's favor falls upon. And I don't know about you, but, but sex is good. And if you can have uh, God's favor on it, phew, that's next level, right? Come on. Right? Who wouldn't want sex that's been blessed by God? Come on, right? That's what I'm talking about. Someone say, preacher, preach. preach, preach. It sounded like a lot more men saying that than a lot than the women, but anyway. <laughs> Welcome to church. I still believe that God's word has the best instructions on how to be a good employee. I think God's word has the best instructions on how to be a good employer. God's word has the best instructions for how to be the man or the woman that God designed and created you to be. It's all found in the word of God. It's clear in the word of God. It is not ambiguous. It is clear in the word of God. And because my sermons and my belief system is rooted and established in the word of God, they have not changed. They will not change. They don't shift with the winds. They don't shift in the sand. They don't shift with my circumstance, my situation. They don't shift when I'm hurt. They don't shift when I'm healed. They don't shift when I cry. They don't shift when I laugh. They are built on a firm foundation. Amen. So when it gets hard, I don't change what I believe. I don't rewrite my theology. I stand firm on the Word of God and I pray and I prophesy over my situation. And I say, you will line up with God's plan. You will line up with God's Word in the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, that's a good word. I could still preach anything I preached from 2012. I could watch the video and I would say amen, even though it's me preaching. Why? Because it come from the Word of God. Didn't change. Someone say amen. amen. The world around us has changed, but nothing in this room has changed. Oh, we've grown. Oh, we're becoming more like Christ. People are joining us who are less like Christ, becoming more like Christ. We're all on a journey, right? But nothing about what we believe has changed in this room. Nothing at all. It's different out there. It's the same in here. Amen. You know what? We're still saying amen today to the things we said amen to in 2016. Amen. <clears throat> we got stronger. Oh, we got louder. That changed, I guess. There's a lot more noise out there. And we're like, well, we're going to have to speak up so people can hear, right? The world got a lot louder against us. We got a lot louder for the kingdom of God. Amen. We got louder, but nothing has changed in our theology. See, the thing about conviction is it only matters when it matters. 
That's it. Conviction's like commitment. Your conviction that you need to stop eating so much sugar isn't hard when there's no sugar near you. Right? That's, that's not hard, you know. The question is, when you start getting oppressed by a chocolate cake, then what you're going to do, right? See, you all know that chocolate cake, you don't find chocolate cake. You find, it's like a demon, right? It's looking, if, put this to the test. If y'all decide today I ain't ever eating sugar again, tomorrow one of your coworkers is bringing a chocolate cake to work. Guarantee it. And you'll be like, oh, it's your birthday? They're like, no, I'm just celebrating that it's Monday. And you'll be like, oh. Right? The question is, what you're going to do when the chocolate cake arrives, right? Come on. Commitment to working out at the gym at 6 a.m. is super easy when you say it. It's super easy, honestly, for the first few days. It's way harder when your kids kept you up all night and you go to bed late. Well, then are you still going to go? Are you still committed? Do you, do you still have that conviction about your health, right? It's, conviction only matters when it matters. I read about a man who was against the death penalty. He talked to everyone about it. Uh, can I just tell you right now, I'll be honest with you, I'm also personally against the death penalty. Um, I, I personally, I just want to give people as much possible time as they can to, to, to get saved and then to serve God. That, that's, that's where I'm at. Uh, you, be, you do you. I'd encourage you to read the Word and, and come up with a conviction. It's not a core theological position in the Word of God, but my deal is I'm pro-life in the womb and I'm pro-life to the tomb, you know, like all the way, womb to tomb, baby. That's where I'm at, yeah? Come on. And uh, so this guy, he was like me. He always preached. Well, I don't always preach about it, but he believes it the same as I do. And, and again, you're welcome here either way. Um, he always preached about it. Uh, he was a huge advocate for abolishing the death penalty. <clears throat> uh, and, uh, you know, as, as, you know um, anyway, he, he was just all about it. Well, one day his wife and kid were actually murdered in a home invasion. Someone broke into their house and, and he had been very vocal all, as long as he can remember about the death penalty is, is wrong and yada, yada, yada. And if, if, if just one innocent person is, is killed, I'd rather a million guilty people free than one innocent man kill. You know, he, he talked about it a lot. But one day his wife and his kid were killed in a home invasion. And then the man started talking about how after that moment, all he could think about was killing those two men. He's like, I want to kill them, and if I can't kill them, I want to see them die in the chair. That's all he could talk about. That's it. He talked about how he so desperately pursued the death penalty for them, how all he dreamed about for months was, was killing them or watching them die or how he would kill them. He dreamed about the ways he would kill them, about how he could get them uh, on their way from here over to the courthouse and, <clears throat> and, then, and then what he would do to them and how he would slowly and, and painfully kill them and how he would hurt them and make sure they feel it and that they know that I'm hurting you because you hurt me. And then one day someone said to him, and fair question, right? Now do you understand why the death penalty is so important? And that, he says, was the moment that shook him about his convictions. And he responded to the person with tears. I've been such a hypocrite. I've always said this. And when it got real for me, I gave up on what I believed. He said, everything within me wants them dead. But my convictions are not for the moment I have not suffered, but for the moment in which I am now suffering. Friends, your convictions aren't for the moment where everything's fancy and rosy. 
That's not what your convictions are for. Your convictions matter the most when you wish you didn't have any convictions. That's when they matter the most. Your convictions are the most important when you're suffering. If you're suffering here today, if you're being tested here today, if you're being persecuted here today, if you're being blown around, listen to me. This is a word from God for you. Will you hold firm to your convictions? Or will you bend and bow? This is a word for you. Will you hold firm to your convictions even when the world around you changes? Do you want to live a life that's blown about by the winds? Do you want to live a life where your convictions come and they go? Or do you want to live a life of integrity? Do you want to be a man of integrity? Do you want to be a woman of integrity? Someone who stands firm on the Word of God. Because I promise you this, if you stand firm on the Word of God, full of faith, God will change the story around you. We don't need to try and line His Word up with the world. We need to ask Him to line our world up with His Word. Amen. I think a great question you need to ask yourself when you find yourself in difficulty, and if you currently find yourself in difficulty, is what did I believe about this situation before I was in this situation? Those are your convictions. Would you stand up with me? What did I believe about this situation yesterday before I was in it? That's your convictions. What you feel today, those are your feelings. Feelings are great. I'm glad God gave us emotions. God has emotions. But, but emotions for, for us, emotions are terrible leaders. They're great companions, but they're terrible leaders. I wouldn't want to live a life without emotions. I want to feel things. Emotions are great companions, right? But they're terrible leaders. We want to ask ourselves, what did I believe based on the Word of God about this situation yesterday before I was in it? What did you believe about marriage before your marriage started to suck? Isn't that a good question? When you stood there and you said, for better. Actually, you didn't say for better. You said for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, sickness and in health, till death do us part. That was your conviction, right? So your conviction, if it was rooted in the Word of God, probably is going to quote the New Testament and understand that, uh, that the believer should not be the one who files for divorce, right? And that's what you believed beforehand, before your marriage sucked. Am I going to be led by emotions in the moment? Or am I going to be led by my conviction from the Word of God? Now, here's the thing. What did we say before? Grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. I know there's... There's got to be in a room this big and the people we've had all weekend, there's got to be people in the room who filed for divorce as Christians. So what I've got for you is grace upon 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 grace. The question is now though, but, but now what are we going to do in this marriage? We're not going to bring the baggage of the past into this marriage. It's going to be different. It's going to be stronger. It's going to be better. Amen. What I'm saying is, I'm, I'm not, so I'm not here to say it's fine. I'm here to say what now? Do y'all understand what I'm saying? See, the Word of God says that I'm not going to file for divorce. So I'm not. But if you did, 
cool, that's the past. What are we going to do now? Moving forward in this marriage, now what, right? So, so I just believe with all my heart that God can bless and God wants to bless the marriage you're in right now. And I believe that it can stand the test of time. And then it can be stronger and it can be better and it can be healthier and it can, it can be all that you wished for. It can be all that you believe marriage is supposed to be. Amen? The question is now what though? So again, listen to me. Do not feel ashamed for your past mistakes. Number one, I wasn't there, right? Um, and I don't know who filed and who did what. But even if you were wrong, I do not feel shame. We're not talking about that. We're talking about now. Convictions aren't for the past. Convictions are for today. Right? Now what? Amen? I've got, I got, I got something to say to, to young people. And I've got something to say, not just young people. I guess I've got something to say to, 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 to anyone who's single. What did you believe about sex outside of marriage before your present opportunities come along? What did you believe? Because we know that the Word of God says that the only sex that is blessed by God is a man and a woman in marriage. And that's it. To the exclusion of all others. That's it. A natural born man and a natural born woman to the exclusion of all others. That's the Word of God. And God won't bless anything else. So that's what you believe. That's your convictions. That's in the Word of God. Well, now what? Have you made mistakes yesterday, last night, this morning, before church? Maybe. I don't know. But now what? I don't care what you did this morning. I don't care what you did yesterday. I don't care what you saw the day before. I just want to talk to you about what we're going to do moving forward. And if you've been bowing down and if you've been laying down, if you've been, if you've been you know, being blown around, your conviction's been messed around, well, well, I'm just here to say, in the name of Jesus, I pray the Holy Spirit will strengthen you today. Amen. I want you to have strength in your marriage, in your sex life. I want you to have honesty. Honesty, right? We can all talk about how good it is to be honest until being honest might cause us to lose our job right we all need to be honest were, were you the one that, that did that and broke that machine that's worth $25,000 I don't know who did it see uh, uh, conviction right can I tell you if you keep your job by lying it's not blessed anymore God's favor just left your job that's the truth man that, that I feel that for someone if you kept your job because you lied, it's not blessed. Sorry. But if, you, but if you lose your job for telling the truth, you will be blessed. How about that? You like that? Come on, right? Our convictions matter when they matter. Amen. I'm here just to encourage you again. This is a bit of a knock around. Bang. I just got back and, and I'm honestly like, we, I'm landing this plane on time. That's a miracle after four weeks out of the pulpit. So you relax, all right? But, but listen, this might feel like a smack around. It's not. I want to give you the gas you need to stand firm tomorrow. I'm not trying to smack you around for what happened in the past. Seriously, do not. That is not my intention. No shame. There is therefore now no sh- condemnation. There is therefore now no shame for those who are in Christ Jesus, right? Right, you're in Christ Jesus. This is not shame, but this is God. Give me the strength to do better tomorrow. Give me the strength to do better in this marriage. Give me the strength to do better in my marriage, even though it sucks right now, right? Like God can, God will fix this. Amen. If you're in this room and and, and this word is speaking to you, listen to this. Ephesians 6.13. I just want to read this over you. Just receive this in Jesus' name. It says, therefore, put on the full armor of God 
And we're excited. I'm pretty, I am. I have to. I've been saying it for a year probably now, and I haven't done it. i got to do it. We'll do it early next year or something, or sooner if I just change my mind. And, um, but we've got to do a sermon on the full armor of God. Amen. But Ephesians 6.13, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, not if, when, the devil does not like you standing firm for the kingdom of God. All right? Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything you can to stand, stand. Stand your ground. And after you've done everything that you can to stand, stand firm still. I love that word. I'm not moving. I'm not quitting. The world might try to ensnare me. The world might try to push me off this stone. The world might try to shake me, but I'm not moving. In fact, I'm not going to move at all. In fact, I'm going to need the Holy Spirit to help me stand. Amen. Who knows after your convictions have been through some persecution, they're so much stronger than they were beforehand. Like you could, you could get divorced and then have the same problems with the next person. Or you could stand and enter favor and blessing on the other side of the trial. Amen. Don't let what you see change what you believe. God is looking. God is looking right now when the world is so crazy, when the world is changing, when the world is shifting, when the world is persecuting the church and the, and the Word of God and the devil is saying, did God really say? Does He really that? Does the Word this? In the middle of all that, what God is looking for is a bunch of Christians in Des Moines and in Audubon and, and in, in, in Owine and in Adel. And God is looking for Christians in Iowa that would say, that would, that, that would not let what they see change what they believe, but instead that you would allow what you believe to change what you see. Amen. God is looking for believers that would stand on His Word and say, hey, I ain't changing the Word of God, but the Word of God is going to change what's happening around me. Amen. I'm going to pray for people right now and I'm going to get off this stage. And and if I leave before 10.30, we still end it on time, even if Brad has to come and say stuff. But I want to pray for you right now. If you're in this place and you feel like you've been bowing down, if you feel like you've been pushed around and, and you need the strength of God and you need the fire of the Holy Spirit to help you stand, then I want you to lift up your hand right now. Right now. I'm not asking you, hey, I'm not going to say, hey, what was it? Did you do that? No, I don't care what you did. But if you, if you right now, you're like, man, I need God's help to stand firm on His Word, on my convictions. Lift up your hand. It might be work. It might be integrity. It might be honesty. It might be marriage. It might be sex. It, it might be finances. I don't know. It might be, it might be a weight loss journey. It might be a conviction of health. I don't know what it is. But if you're feeling oppressed and pressed by the enemy, lift up your hand. I'm going to pray for God's strength in the name of Jesus. There we go. There we go. There you go. You can put your hand on the person next to you if you want, but make sure your hand stays raised. You're just reaching out to God. The reason you've got your hand up is because it's not my wise or persuasive words that's going to transform your life. You're reaching out to God because it's Him and His power and His Word that's going to change your life. Amen. So reach out your hands to the Lord. Heavenly Father, I pray for every person here right now that first and foremost, that those who have bowed down, that those who have bent over, those that have laid down and, and just given up on their convictions, God, <clears throat> I pray that you release them 
them off the shame in the name of Jesus Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Lord God. God, this Word wasn't meant to bring shame. This Word wasn't meant to bring pain, but to bring sweet freedom and strength in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that You would release them of the shame. God, release them of the shame for thinking those things, for desiring those things, for doing those things. God, release them of that. That is not who they, they are not the sum of their mistakes. They are not what they did. They're not what they thought, Lord God. They're who you say they are. And I pray, God, after releasing them, God. In fact, I just pray, Holy Spirit, just come and touch every one of their hearts. Just release them right now. No shame. No shame. No shame. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would breathe fresh fire in their souls. God, you would fill them afresh with your Spirit in the name of Jesus. Fill them afresh with your Spirit. God, I pray they'd be like Acts, Lord God, when your Spirit was poured out, that they were filled with fire. They were filled with power, dunamis power, mighty power, dynamite power, Lord God. I pray in the name of Jesus that your Holy Spirit would strengthen and reinforce and breathe fire and power into every one of them as they stand firm. That God, yesterday's gone, but now they're standing. They may have been laying down yesterday, but now they're standing. And God, after they've done everything they can to stand, I pray that your Holy Spirit would help them stand. They will not lose this war. They lost some battles here and there, but they will not lose this war. They will stand firm in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, just touch their hearts right now that they would know, I got this. Me and the Holy Spirit, I got this in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, someone give the Lord a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Well, thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, be sure to check out our other episodes. If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, please visit MyEternity.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at MyEternityChurch. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps.